Backchat Studios is a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head to backchatpodcast.com.au to sign up as a patron and access all of our merch. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, it looks a little different if you're watching on YouTube. It's the Back Chat Basketball Show here with Dan and Ben. Ben, you're not next to me. You're all the way across the country. You're in Perth. I'm in Melbourne. What's no, it like over there? It's stinking hot. You've gone big time and escaped over to Melbourne to hang out with uh, Chris Ansky and Dirk Nowitzki and all the big dogs yep. for the week. And we're just here in Perth melting away. So how's Melbourne? Yep. Is it cooler than Perth? I hope it is. It's, it was a bit warm. I was out and about today taking in the sights and I uh, was walking around in jeans but and a T-shirt and didn't feel like too hot, but I didn't pack anything for um, any cold. So I'm just hoping that it doesn't get cold at all. And I know it's probably going to bite me in the ass. I know Melbourne always has like a random rain um, patch in there somewhere with some cold weather. So hopefully it stays pretty clear for me. But yes, I am over in Melbourne. Uh, waiting to hang out with Dirk. I, I'm in um, a friend's house at the moment, as you can see behind me. Yes. That's the takeaway for anyone watching online is that Dan's an intellectual today with that yeah. wonderful yeah. background. I'm a little bit jealous. Library, yeah, and there's a piano off to the side. I might jump on that if mm. it's uh, if the conversation runs a bit dry. You've got a bike as well, so fitness, reading. Is that golf clubs? Yeah, yep, looks like it's all club. set up. Yeah, yeah, it's got a good good setup here. I might actually move in if um if I get stuck over here. Um, Dirk's not here at, at the house with us. <laughs> He's um, staying at some hotel. I did. Um, did you decline the invite? Yeah, I, I, I was disappointed. I, I said, "Oh, well, you declined the invite." Me. Yeah, <laughs> I said, mate, I'm over to see. Look, I'll, I'll see you on Wednesday. I don't want to do too much, you know. I don't want to like, I, a bit of overkill. So Dirk and Chris can can wait a bit. But like I'm, I manage the number one sports podcast in Australia. I don't have time to hang right. out with you I at know. your hotel. I know, I know. That's right. He's got the camp that was happening. So we are recording this. Usually we record this on a Wednesday afternoon and then release it straight away. So this is coming out um, still same time, but we are recording it a day early. Today is the Dirk Nowitzki basketball camp. Now, I did almost sign up for that. I was really close and I thought, I don't want to be that random 33-year-old at a camp full of kids because I wasn't sure how much of a camp it was, like if it was for small children or not. It didn't say anything in the age. So uh, but I'm glad because apparently it's just full of kids. You, you had the perfect cover though. You've got young kids. You could have just chucked on them on the plane with you and enrolled the young one and That's right. just rocked up and said, oh, unfortunately the uh, little one's sick or injured and daddy's yeah. coming out to play. So you actually had the perfect, you did, exactly right. Uh, Same surname. Yep. Yeah, we do look similar and we're similar height too. So we're probably going to <laughs> Same beard. shave my face. Yeah, no, actually my son doesn't have a beard, which which is odd. But anyways, I am over in Melbourne. Uh, there's plenty of basketball stuff to chat through. So let's get into some NBA um, because we do, we just start in the NBA because of the time zone. Makes sense. No, I don't know why we just start in the NBA. Um, Durant is injured again. And I saw um, a photo collage today of all the times that his knee has been injured and it's like the same thing every single time, someone falling backwards onto it. It, would, it didn't look good. 
No, no. Yes, he had one of the unluckiest careers of anyone, right? Because he's amazing. Going to be Hall of Famer, top 20 player of all time. Yep. But he's had these few injuries. He broke his foot in OKC when they were ready to win a championship a few years ago, or almost yep. a decade ago. I'm aging yeah. myself there. <laughs> yeah. The same thing happened in Golden State. He tore his Achilles. And just when this Brooklyn team has turned things around, Kyrie Irving, knock on wood, was uh, a good basketball player again and not someone yep. that was causing distress off the court. And Durant got injured. So... On one hand, it's obviously frustrating for the Nets, but I think as well it kind of shows where they're at, doesn't it, that they were relying too much on Kevin Durant, who's 34 years old. Yep. And unfortunately, he's a bit injury-prone these days. Again, not this was in his control, but he always mm-hmm. seems to walk into these 20-game absences, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, it's odd that you say Kevin Durant's 34. Like you just sort of alluded that it's sort of ageing you a bit. It, it seems really strange that he's 34 because that feels like when I was like in the peak of my fandom, like Durant was really, really young. And now he's like, not not on the out, but you know, there's it's, not like another max contract on, you know, five-year deal hanging over his head. That's for sure. It's a bit scary, isn't it? I got into the NBA when Kevin Durant was playing at Texas when yep. I was still finishing high school. So again, <laughs> I don't ever want to think about what that means for me and you. We're definitely yep. aging ourselves there. Yeah. And you're yeah. right. He's got three or four years left and he'll be gone from the NBA. Like we've That's both right. never known the NBA without Durant. Yep. I don't want to think about that because he's such a great player and I was yep. kind of hoping he would have a moment this season like your boy Dirk did in 2011, carrying a team that's not so great into the finals yep. and maybe he still will. But, yeah, he's going to yep. be on ice probably through All-Star Weekend now and do you trust Corey Irving to lead uh, that team to wins over the next month? Look, maybe maybe they, it gives the Nets, um, I don't know, a bit. they put the bit of responsibility on him and he might... Oh, so maybe take something away from that so that when Durant comes back. But I don't know. It's, it's hard to know. Um, I think the, uh, that was the time. diplomatic answer for no, it's not yeah. going to happen. I have, yeah. no, <laughs> I have no trust in our boy Kyrie. And yep. even my friend Ben Simmons, He it's been a few years since he's had to be that number one player. So, yep. again, the only potential silver lining I can see is that Ben's going to have the ball in his hands more and maybe he can get back to his form from three years ago. But again, yeah. in terms of aging ourselves and aging athletes, it's been almost three years since Ben Simmons was, yeah. was an all-star and that feels like an eternity ago, doesn't it? Yeah, what also feels like an eternity is um, seeing Steph Curry on the court. Um, but he has been, you know, they, they they changed them from questionable to probable, these these words that they use to, to say that the, the players will probably be back to play. Um, it didn't seem like it was that long ago, but when you looked it up, it was around December since he played. Um, it will be good to have Steph Curry back on the court because it's, it's it's always a show when he's playing. Um, and that Warriors team definitely needs it. There's a theme today. We're losing track of time, aren't we? And again, it's been a month that he's been out of it. And we'll talk about this in a minute, but somehow the Warriors have climbed in the standing since he left. And there are only two yep. games outside of a top four seed now. Yep. And the West hasn't been that good in the middle and it's allowed the Warriors to tread water. And you're yeah. right, he's been out before Christmas, so it's been a month. And the Warriors are now sitting pretty when he's about to return. So it's a bit sad that Durant goes out and Steph's about to come in. Yep. But for the Warriors, they become a must-watch lethal team again with Steph back. And we've just seen that they can't generate offense without him. And now he's coming back. He'll probably be on a bit of a slow burn. Yep. But again, the West hasn't done anything to scare the Warriors. And once he gets back to speed, I think they're going to look very scary very soon. It's a bit annoying, really. It's like it happened um, two two or three seasons ago. The Warriors sort of looked a bit done. And then last season, obviously, they, they won the championship. They just 
got everyone back and then they looked lethal again. And, and I'm sort of hoping that doesn't happen again. It would be nice to see some other um, finalists in the Western Conference. Is that your Mavs fandom talking? Like, do you yes, think the Mavs 100%. Have, do you think yeah. the Mavs have any chance of beating them if Steph Curry is playing? Oh yeah, I, I do. I think um, really, yeah, yeah. I think if Luca Luca's shown that he can do like crazy things, I don't know if he can do that all the way through the season. They, they needed him to have a bit of a a slump or something so that he finds that lighting in a bottle at the right time in the postseason, or they need to make a trade before the deadline that gives him some sort of help. Um, they've done some odd things this last um, this last few weeks. They signed Kemba Walker, then they dropped him, and um, I mean that was never going to ha- be that beneficial. Nico, um, the GM, said, "Oh man, his knees cooked." Like from the beginning when they signed him, they knew what they were getting. So in this quest to try and find another ball handler, um, it just hasn't really gone that way. But who, who knows? The trade deadline always gives us something crazy. Um, I'm hoping that the Mavs can do something because, like you said, the West doesn't look that deadly. If I just bring up the um, the standings, so um, there's only five teams, including the Sacramento Kings, I might add, above 500. So the Warriors, who are in sixth place, 20 wins, 20 losses. Um, and then the next, uh, the, the Kings are 21 wins. So that's a really different looking landscape of the NBA when for so long, as long as I can remember, the West has always been the tough conference. And, you know, if you're getting out of the East, it's a, it's a Mickey Mouse sort of thing. When, when you compete, when the teams on the West are competing, that's all these powerhouses. It's completely flipped the switch. So right now, um, the only way to be in the eight is to be above uh, above, sorry, in the eight is to be above 500 on the east. So the Heat are 21 and 20 above 500. So that's such a different thing. So if the Mavs can't capitalize on this sort of sort of wishy washy Western Conference, it, it, it's it's not a it's not a lost season, that's for sure. But if there's ever going to be a time to capitalize when your team's not like actually that incredible, then this is probably the one. But the Nuggets in the first seed look very good. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it that Luca and the Mavs are following, personally, I think the LeBron James blueprint from 20, 2007, 2008, where you're getting the best player in the world with a pretty average team around him. Yep. And the Western Conference has become the East from that time 15 years ago, because you're right, like our whole adult life, the Eastern Conference has been the second tier team, second tier league, sorry, that LeBron ran that yep. for so many years. And he could take a bunch of scrubs, which he did many times to the finals. Ruby and Gibson. even... Booby Gibson, Zajunas Orgauskas, Anderson Berejel, all those players, good on them. They made a lot of money. Delonte. But they're not – well, we won't tell stories about Delonte and LeBron's <laughs> mum. But they uh, had a great run there for a while. And even looking at the All-Star teams, someone on a podcast I was listening to this week went through and read out the Eastern Conference All-Star team from 2013. And Joakim Nile was the fourth best player on that team. Yeah, and Joakim yeah. was a – a good player, but that kind of says it all. And I think with All-Star coming around, you're going to have someone like Jason Tatum not starting for the East, where he would possibly be the first wing picked in the West. So we're seeing the talent start to balance out. And you're right about the Mavs that you look at even someone like New Orleans or Memphis, other young teams, they haven't done near anything in the postseason. This conference is wide open. And again, I think we both love watching Jokic play. We think is amazing. But there are valid questions as to whether he can sustain defensively in the postseason. Yep. So, again, if one of these teams can make a big trade 
like we said about the Warriors even with Steph Beck, if they win five games in a row, they go from just mid-tier to being the third yeah. seed. Which And if they get home court advantage, like honestly, oh. I, don't, I do not want to face the Warriors in the postseason when they've got home court. No. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I just hope that uh, the teams that the uh, – the Mavs and Abava just keep winning games and keep the Warriors out of it. Um, Jokic did another great, like he just keeps pulling out these stats um, every other day, it seems like. So today he, I've uh, lost as, a, as I scroll around, he, he, he was his stat line wasn't that impressive because we've seen him do like 70 points, 50 rebounds and 40 assists. Like he, he does like those sorts of things. But today he had, I think it was 14 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, here we go. I'm just going to, I'm just going to control that. Uh, control it. 14 points, 11 rebounds, 16 assists, but he does it on a hundred percent shooting. Like he just doesn't miss all night, has a near perfect game. And that's the sort of thing you're going to get from Jokic. This these incredible feats. He's just like a kid playing with his food, isn't he? That whatever he wants to do, he can do. If he wants to yep. score 40 points, he'll do that. If he wants to get 15 rebounds and 15 assists and pass all night, which is kind of what he did this morning, right? He took five shots, I think six yep. shots, maybe including the three. So he doesn't even need to shoot the ball. And he's the best player on the court. And again, it kind of just looks, it looks so different, doesn't it? Because he's a white guy. He's seven foot tall. He's a bit fat, let's be real. Yes, so he's not a prototypical LeBron James level athlete. Yeah, But he's just so smart and in control. And again, the fact that he can just put up another triple-double. I think I thought this morning as well, it's the third time he's done this. It's the third time he's had a triple-double right. without missing a shot. So yeah. if you take, I don't know, pick a player, if Joe Ingles, who we'll talk about in a second, did that once in his career, it would be the highlight of his career. And yeah. Joe's a good player, made $100 million, had a great career. But yeah. Jokic is doing this every night to a point now where he's probably not going to get a third MVP because people are bored of him, which yeah. is an incredible thing. Imagine being that good at something and just being able to cruise and you know you're the best in the world and it's not even hard. Yeah, that's right. I think um, Giannis is doing similar things. He's putting up huge numbers. Um that, that this is just this last couple of months has been superstar after superstar putting up just wild um, strings of games. And it's funny when I was naming, um, I think I named last week's episode something about, I was going to call about, um, say something about superstars putting up big points. And seven episodes before that, it was like something similar. And I went back and literally there was a, a time, I think th- two, two and a half months ago where the same thing happened. Everyone was just like 40 points, 50 points, 40 points, 50 points. Um, yeah. It's just a really cool time to be watching basketball if you yeah. love offense, that's for sure. We haven't spoken in person since Christmas time. And of course, that's when Luca had his 60 point triple double and mm. Giannis put up a 55 20 game. Yep. And Kevin Durant's had big games. Tatum's pushed 50. CJ McCollum's gone off. Yep. The scoring is up across the board. And again, a podcast I was listening to yesterday was saying they were on track to see the highest amount of 50 point and 40 point games in a season in the history yep. of the NBA. No one except Wilt has done this consistently in a season and we're popping up and seeing it every night. And again, it really does make me think though, if everyone can score the ball, the first team that can play some defense is yep. going to be so far ahead. And again, if we think about the MVP discussion, all these guys are putting up ridiculous stats that so it's almost become boring to put up 40, isn't it? Like 40 is yeah, 30. Yeah. Yep. It's almost like you have to score 40 points a game once a month to be in the MVP discussion. Yeah, and imagine doing that ten years ago. You would have been so far in front of the MVP. Yeah. It wouldn't have been funny. Well, Luca's uh, Luca. I think is about one hundred and thirty points ahead of Tatum. Last I looked at it, anyway, um, in the scoring title. And um, I know they go averages; they don't go total points. Um, but and but he's been 
putting up huge, huge numbers, like consistently. And Tatum's only a hundred and so behind. Like it, all it will take is Luca to miss a few games here and there, and Tatum put him up, and he'll be yeah. right up there again. Let's just hope Luca keeps scoring because your boy here might have jumped on Luca Doncic to win the scoring title at the start of the year at seven to one odds. So really, indeed. very we need, good. We need Luca Doncic. Don't worry about the MVP, Dan. He doesn't need the MVP. He just <laughs> no. needs to average forty points a game for the rest of the year and uh, do a solid for the Batchet Basketball Podcast for sure. I think if he can get, if he can get the Mavs to like the the second, third, see like home court, if he can get the Mavs home court advantage in the playoffs. He will be hard to not write his name down um, in the MVP vote at the end. Yeah. Because like you said, Jokic is a boring pick. Giannis has almost become a boring pick. And I hate to say it, Luca is, even before the season started, everyone was already saying if Luca's here, he's going he's gonna to take it. And so it's why the Durant injury is such a shame this morning because, honestly, I thought Durant was about to ascend into that MVP discussion because the stats yep. might not be there. But we know how our American media friends like to vote. It's about story, it's around narrative, and it's around big names. And I think the NBA media is wanting to give this to an American athlete again. Because remember, Giannis won two in a row, then Jokic. So it's been five years since an American player (laughs) won the NBA MVP. And again, I look at that. The Boston Celtics have a large media contingent, hence why Jason Tatum is getting a lot of attention. He's a great player, but he's not winning the MVP this year. And it's interesting, I've just got up in the background basketball reference to a thing where they do an MVP award tracker, which basically right. spits in all the numbers and uses historical precedents and puts a percentage against each player's name as yep. to historically, okay. based on the steps, yep. who should be winning the MVP. According to their little model, Jokic should win the MVP 57% of the time and right. Doncic is 21% and everyone else is under 5%. Yeah, right. So, again, I think that just reinforces that if – it was played in the lab, which thank God it's not. But if it was played in the lab and just looking at numbers, Jokic just having the best season. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, because we've been saying this a couple of times, a five-game win streak from Doncic, which he just had, got him from the fringes of that discussion back up to the top. Yep. Whereas if the Mavs lose five games in a row, then his MVP hopes could be gone. So it's going to be a very, very loud MVP roast. Yeah. Race, sorry, after All-Star Weekend. That's right. Probably will be a roast as well if the, um, the wrong person gets picked <laughs> and the fans don't like it. Um, you had something you wanted to talk I'm, I I can't bring up the thing at the moment, but Joe Ingalls um, uh, has been on your um, mind of recent. I mean, he's always on your mind. You're a big Jingles guy. I am. I am. He's had a very up-and-down start to his NBA return, but this morning as we record this, his Bucks just went into MSG, the best arena in basketball, and the Bucks came to from a massive deficit and walked all over New York. So the thing that was cool about this morning, having just watched the highlights of the game, is that Joe looked like he did five years ago. He was playing his right. pick and roll game. He was stepping into threes. And the Bucks were down big and their offense was dead, completely flat. And then, well, thanks to Giannis, but with Joe riding shotgun, they were able to generate enough offense in the second half, come back, win a game, and look good doing so. So a single victory over New York when you played horribly in the first half isn't that noteworthy, but the Bucks are still missing Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday has been a bit part player over the past two months. Joe Ingles has yep. barely played. So it's almost the opposite of uh, what we said about Doncic, I think, for the Bucks and Ingles. It doesn't matter where they finish in the standings. Giannis yes. has got his MVPs. They don't need to win games. They've got between now and the end of April to get fit, get healthy and get together. Yep. And that's why for Ingles, especially this morning and the last couple of games have been good because – for him personally with mine, the scoreboard doesn't matter. It's just him getting out there looking comfortable again. And again, not to make this a Mavs central podcast, but how good would you feel Let's if Ingles was on the Mavs? Just having that creator oh. and someone to help out Luca. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, I can't, I can't watch him shoot. It always makes me feel weird with that sort of cocked behind his head, left-handed thing that looks so weird. But he does, he gets it done. Jingles. Um, I, I look forward to the day that maybe he will um, be in the NBA. I thought we we're close to that, but now that he's getting that form back again, I can't imagine uh, an no. NBA team letting him slip. Um, we unless need, you, yeah, we need one more big player from from Joe because what I kind of want to happen, like he did when he was in OKC playing against playing against OKC, sorry, for Utah, going against Russell Westbrook and Paul George, players that he's nowhere near as good as, but he's got yeah. that, like, smart-ass Australian streak to him, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. I could see him yeah. playing against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs and being the player that that Boston crowd hates the most because he's going to yeah. be annoying and irritating. Same thing in Philadelphia. Having lived in Philly, the Philly fans would absolutely despise Joe Ingles if he was <laughs> playing them in a series. So yeah. I think... Selfishly, I'd love to see. I don't care about the Bucks so much, but I'd love to see Joe have a deep playoff run and get a chance to win a championship. Because I think, yeah. as well, the content, the entertainment, and just having him have that moment is going to give us a lot that we'll be able to look forward to. So, yeah, for sure. Hopefully, he comes back to the NBL eventually. I'm sure he's got enough money to buy half the league at this stage. Yes, but he's got business to finish over in the states first. That's right. And when when there isn't any other team to go for in the playoffs because the Bams are out. I'll get behind a team that's somehow res- uh, closely linked to an Australian, and if that's Jingles, then I'm getting on the Bucks bandwagon. That's for sure. Um, let's let's turn over a little bit to the NBL now. Um, you brought up a, a tweet from someone F underscore Olivo Olivo ninety nine um, tweeted out something around pace of the league, which was pretty interesting. Um, that sort of puts the NBL up in the NBA standards. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? And it- really clearly outlines the American focus that has come into the NBL of late. Yep. And so basically what Francesco did was that he went through and looked at all of the leagues, basketball around the world, so European leagues, Asian leagues, the NBL and the NBA, and compared the pace of play in the NBA against all the leagues around the world. And interestingly, interestingly enough, the only league that compares to the NBA in terms of pace of play, which essentially means the number of possessions that are in a game, is the NBL. And you've got teams like the Sydney Kings that are playing at a pace that resembles an NBA side, which probably is why they're such an entertaining team to watch because they're up and back. They've got athletes like Xavier Cork and they're really deploying NBA-style methods and game plans and they're doing it in Australia and doing it very well. So that was super interesting to see this morning. As I said, it makes sense given all of the American influences that have come back. Even look at someone like Danny Mills at the Wildcats who... Gets yeah. a lot of grief locally, but he's playing a very American-centric style of ball that you've got a, a small yeah. ball five-man, you've got athletic perimeter players that want to shoot the ball, get up and down the court. In the Wildcats' case, that cost them defense, but their offense is high-flying. They're pushing the ball and getting that pace of play up. And again, it also makes the NBL even more attractive. That is definitely a cliche that too many people talk about the, uh, yes. around the NBL. I'm getting a bit sick of hearing it, but there is some truth to it because – Athletes can come down to Australia playing in an NBA-style game and setting and tempo. And again, Xavier Cook's the perfect example. Like Jock Landau, Xavier's going to be in the NBA next year. He's going to be playing minutes and he's not yep. going to look at a place doing so. Yeah, that's right. The NBL is, for me, like it has gotten faster and faster. But if I think back to sort of four or five years ago, um, the Wildcats dominated because they used to slow the game down and they would just beat you down on defence. Um, and so it is interesting. And, and like you said, a, a lot of uh, American influence coming over uh, and that's in players, coaches. Um, the NBL's definitely opened up the um, that a little bit more to bring 
you know, assistant coaches from NBA teams over to, to take on NBL teams. And they'll be bringing in those uh, coaching methods as well to, to up the pace. And, yeah. um, you know, if you're playing at a fast clip, you, you, the other team can't um, set up quickly enough on defense and you're making them scatter. So it is definitely a good way to score. So, yeah, interesting that the NBL is um, up there. And, and you know, it's, it's always been considered, you know, top, top three to four leagues in the world. Um, but it is in that pace chart that Francesco um, put up is it's they're, they're quite significantly higher up above um, yeah, the Euro leagues, the Euro leagues. So it's not like we're just above them. Um, it's, it's, there's a huge step between NBA and NBL than the rest. No, I think it's all about discuss, like nuance as well. When talking about what the second best league in the world is, you talk to the players and the agents. And if it's purely about, um, the average player's talent base, then the Euro League is the second best league in the world. But yeah. if you're talking about wanting to get ready for the NBA and put yourself in a position to, again, get NBA-level systems and processes, there is an argument that the NBL is second best in that that um, yeah. aim behind probably the G League at the moment because it is set up like the NBA now. Also, there's yeah. not as much money in Australia. The fact the Wildcats can get sold for $9 million, that's a lot of money in Australian standards, but globally... Real Madrid spend that much money on their basketball program every year. So yeah. until the money infiltrates the sport in this country fully, it's not going to be the second best league in the world fully. But at the moment, stats like this this morning show that it's doing a lot right. Yeah. And again, hopefully as they get a bit more attention, there's a wave of Paddy Mills and Joe Ingles coming back, hopefully spending their money on the league. Some of that money can come back and it really can start to elevate over the next decade and push the Euro League for being the second best league in the world. For sure. And that just only means that we'll get more talented players that are sort of fringe NBA guys that are wanting um, somewhere else to play. And look, there's a lot going for the Australian League, that's for sure. So uh, hopefully we'll see more guys coming over. Um, We don't, this isn't a Perth Wildcats uh, podcast, but we do both live in Perth. I'm um, currently in Melbourne. You're about to move to Melbourne, so maybe uh-huh. we'll even it out a little bit. But it is an outdoor step, so it's hard not to talk about. Um, right now, as we record, um, well, not right now as record because it's seven o'clock for me, but not for you. Um, Wildcats will be playing the Breakers, so you're going to be listening to this the day after it's happened, so you know the result. But it is a really crucial game for for two teams who the Wildcats need to prove that they can beat a, a decent team and they can actually um, be a contender in that top four. And the and the Breakers need to show that they weren't just um, you know lightning in a bottle at the start of the season that they, that they are actually serious. And um, they a win against the Wildcats would would you know it's, there's always been a big rivalry. It's like West Coast and Fremantle, regardless of where a team is in the league. Uh, when those two teams play, if Fremantle's a bottom of the ladder, it's going to be intense. It's going to be a good game usually, um, and that's a bit like uh, Wildcats and Breakers. So, what what do you see with those two teams um, and how important this game is? Yeah, I'm actually heading along tonight, so it'd be interesting to see nice. what version of the Wildcats show up because. If they, again, I personally think they've got next to no chance of winning a championship this year or pushing for the finals, but you're right, pushing for the grand final, sorry. If they have any hopes of doing that, they need to start beating these good teams. But then distilling that down a little bit, they've got New Zealand tonight, Adelaide over the weekend, and Sydney next Friday night. Just by the sheer weight of numbers, they need at least one win and probably two out of those games if they want to be making the top six. So. It's mm. not a win-or-go-home situation for the Wildcats just yet because the league is pretty average in the middle. Yes. But 
they've done this all year where they go and win one game, lose two, win two, and they've just been on that seesaw back and front. Yeah, They've got eight games left, six of them are at home, and it's really the same situation that we saw last year where last year they did slide out of the top four, but it was in their hands that all they had to do was win some home games and they would have made the finals last year. And I think they yep. lost the last four games at home last year. It's exactly the same situation right now. Six of eight at home to close the season. If you're a finals team, you win enough games and you make the finals. And it's that simple for the Wildcats not to make it too reductive. But we're yep. going to find out if they are actually good enough. And again, not to beat a dead horse, but it's defensively. Because their offense is one of the best two units in the league. The stats bear that out. They can score the ball. Yep. But I think a pick and roll with me and you could get a good shot against the Wildcats at the moment. And mm. if the shots aren't falling, I'll be setting the pick, by the way. Yeah, and I'd be hurling it towards the basket. It might hit the backboard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's just a case of whether they can find enough offense to make it happen. The maybe one good thing tonight, which could look foolish as people listen to this, is that New Zealand has to go back to Melbourne in two days' time and play another game because the last contest was called off with the COVID cases they had. So if you're a Wildcats optimist, you might be hoping that the breakers' mind is elsewhere or the travel schedule is going to catch up with them. Because really, if these two teams are playing on a neutral court, Given what we've seen this season, the Wildcats would be four or five or underdogs in my eyes. But it's at yeah. home, they have a chance. Yeah. But regardless of what happens tonight, it's going to mean the weekend is going to be even better because if they lose tonight, then there is going to be a lot of pressure on everyone against Adelaide this weekend. Mm-hmm. And if they can win tonight, then it gives them the chance to push for the top four and at least have home court advantage at the start of the playoff round. So yeah, it's a big right. week for the Wildcats and we're about to see if they are a legit playoff side or not over the next 10 days. It's funny they've been they've just been doing this all season. You think like if they just win the next two, they'll they'll look all right. And now it's got to the point where if they if they go beat New Zealand, Adelaide, Sydney, which would be an impressive stream of games, those to beat those three teams, I would still be like, yeah, I'm still not sure about them though. Like it's it's just they have they've instilled no faith. Like even when they have one good game, I'm like, oh man, like if they play like this, there's you know they're they're they might they might steal a game or two against the team in the finals. But I've just got no confidence in them at the moment. And Bryce is playing like just insanely good at the moment. It's just a shame that he's not getting uh, the the help that is necessary. And, and the more the team just not really gelling as I think um, as we've seen. Yeah, well, they've done that all year, haven't they? That they they won in New Zealand. They had that great game against Adelaide where Bryce went nuts and Brady hit some shots. They pulled that game out of their backside against Melbourne at home. So they've got some noteworthy wins, but they've lost twice to Brisbane on the road. So, again, if they won those two games, they'd be pushing for third spot. Yeah, that's the thing. If they lost lost that game to Melbourne at home, which they should have, they could be in eighth spot. So, again, there's some they've got, there's some they've lost, which, again, speaks to the fact that they're just playing average at the moment. And, again, we like the people involved with the Wildcats. We know a couple of them personally. Yeah. But they're just... Chalk average this year, and again, not to get too cliche, but it's that whole thing about a team that can shoot the ball but can't stop anyone. They can beat anyone on any given night, but they can't consistently get stops. And so any Wildcats game is not out of reach. And we've seen it time and time again. The most recent loss in Brisbane is the one that comes to mind that they should have won that game many times over, but they just kept letting Brisbane get buckets and keep pace and keep pace. And then before they know it, they're down five points and the game's about to finish in overtime. And they've somehow lost to the second worst team in the league twice at home, which is just a horrible outcome for a team that likes to think of themselves as a top four side. That's right. Yeah, I really hope um, things turn around a little bit, a little bit for Mitch Norton. Big, big Mitch Norton fan. Love what he does on the court. And you know, not that 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 this time is over, but I remember a time when 
he was touted as taking the baton from Damian Martin. You know, he was the defensive guard that was um, that could stop players and um, you could also put the ball in his hand in a pick-and-roll situation. He'd drive to the hoop. It's just not the same Mitch Norton that we've seen, which is a shame because um, he, when he's playing well, the Wildcats play well. He's sort of almost like a like a, a pinch point for them. So yeah. I would love to see him sort of get back and confident again. But when you bring in Ty Webster, uh, which I'm still confused about that decision for the Wildcats, it does just throw things up. Like we, it's a, it's a player who would take minutes away from from Mitch. Yeah, well, again, that signing we haven't spoke about this, but that strikes me as the Wildcats needing and wanting someone, and he was the best available player. And it's almost them rolling the dice and saying, "Screw yeah, up that we can't get any stops to begin with." So let's try to score 110 points a game. Yeah. And let's try to catch lightning in the bottle and go on a run and make a deep playoff run, which, again, we both have been around this sport long enough to know that that's probably not going to happen. And even yeah. you said before when we were talking about the pace of play that five years ago the Wildcats would grind out these games based on Bryce and some good players around him, but it was more of that heliocentric, the Luka Doncic comparison role. We got one amazing player and yeah. great role players around him. And five years ago that was enough to win championships in the NBL but yep. now it's not good enough anymore because the league has gotten so much better around the Wildcats. And we've spoken about this before. The Wildcats fans, I think, are learning that what works so well for the last 30 years isn't going to work for the next 30 years because this club really needs to get serious about things off the court yep. and have better systems in place because sheer talent alone is it enough to win games and finals in the NBL these days. That's right. One more thing for fans to get annoyed at is the open air game um, that's being played at RAC Arena uh, here in Perth. Now, I think it's really cool. I know they did it a little while. Did they do it last season or the season before in Melbourne? They've done it in Melbourne a couple of years yeah. and they did it this year as well. Yeah, it's it's just it's cool. It's something different. But uh, I know from visiting some of the, uh, you know, say what you will about these Wildcats fan pages, I just know how many complaints there has been about it, um, people complaining about the direction of the sun being on their seats and wanting to get uh, a change in seats because of that. Um, I just I just hope that people can just go, you know what, it's, it's just something different. It might not be the best thing I've ever been to. It might be a little bit inconvenient, but it's also just something different and something cool that the NBL is obviously trying to do. And they've got a really good arena. Why not give it a crack? I just I don't understand this like, oh, it's something different, so I'll get annoyed about it. Correct. We're both from Perth, so well, I'm allowed mm. to say this. Like Perth people can be very silly sometimes and very slow to catch up with things. That Anyone yeah. that looked at what happened in Melbourne last month with the opening game, that looked cool. It was a yeah. great innovation. It was fun. There was light on the court. It was a great idea. And it's one game in a regular season. I don't see the big deal. And, again, it's in total Wildcats fans. I might get a bit of grief for that. Wanting something to complain about, yeah. and they're just doing it. And there's no downside to having this game outside on Saturday night. It's a cool idea. Like, I'm going. I know you might be going. It's going to get casual people to go to the basketball on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And what's not to like? It's a basketball game with some sunlight. It's not going to change the experience in any adverse way. Wear your sunglasses. Wear some sunscreen. It's (laughs) not going to impact your night. So, yeah, hope. Take a hat. I'm as pale as the rest of them and no one gets as pale as I do. So get ready, take the sunscreen, I'll be ready. And just go enjoy what is potentially a a once-in-a-season, once-in-a-lifetime experience to go enjoy basketball outside. And it doesn't really matter what happens on the court because it's a noteworthy event. So, yeah, I support the NBL for doing it. I support the Wildcats for doing it. This should be a fixture every year. The Wildcats, Mm. like the Dockers with their Anzac Day game throughout the season, how they've turned it into their own. 
the Wildcats should pick Australia Day Eve or New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve or pick a night and have an outdoor game every year. I think that would be a great idea and just hopefully enough people show up and, you know, what Perth fans like, hopefully the Wildcats win on Saturday because if they win, then yeah, like, this is amazing. We should do this all the time. We should play yeah. every, every week. We should play the yeah, road Yeah, Correct. Yeah. Well, I know Craig Hutchison listens to this. So, Hutchie, um, <laughs> maybe just pick some more games with, uh, with open air. Um, I, look, people just don't like going outside anymore. We're all becoming no. so insular and we don't want to stay indoors. But no, it, it, should, it should be fun. I'm, I'm going to try and get along for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'll uh, hopefully, unless, you know what, tomorrow night when I, when I, well, tonight, if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, um, when I meet Dirk and he, he might say, oh, dad, he's great. I just, you know what, you just, just come hang out oh. with me for the next little while. And I probably would do that. I've already discussed that with my wife. Like there's certain things that um, if, if they come up, uh, she's sort of giving me the old clear, you know, if he's like, come like, come on holiday with me for the next week and hang out. Like, I think I've got the green light for that. So, Well, just a bit of advice that an old colleague used to give me when I was 17, just don't get arrested. So behave yourself. Make sure yep. you don't get too <laughs> yep. into Dirk's uh, grill. I know it uh, might be hard to with, withhold yourself and uh, behave, but, yeah, I just no. I need to see you back in Perth on the weekend in the flesh and not on a Zoom call. That's um, right. From cell somewhere in Melbourne. Bailing me out. No, Dirk yeah. will Dirk will bail. No, Dirk's a good Dirk's a good a, a good guy. I won't get up in his grill. I um I think I've got um I think I've been around enough athletes to to not fanboy around them. Dirk will be the closest thing. Maybe probably Luca as well. But I think I can contain myself and make sure. But what um, do you think he would say if you told him about the time you got his shower water on your hand? I I think he would love it. I think it's <laughs> really funny. Um, so look, if that comes up, I'm not going to like the first thing I can't say to him was like, Dirk, Hey, good to see you again. Last time we saw each other, your shower water was swaying. <laughs> so that might not be appropriate, but who knows if, you know, if, if I've had a few beers and moods for the right. maybe, yeah, there's a, I am going to get along. There's a, um, a Dirk, um, like a appearance at a, at a, at a shop somewhere in the city that, that I'm aware of. So I'm going to try to get along to that. Um, I'm not really much of an autograph guy and I also don't want to ask him for a photo. So, um, look, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll bow out and I'll just, he'll sign my chest or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a sight for the Instagram, wouldn't it? Just a topless yes. photo of Dan with a, a Dirk Nowitzki signature. I just want to know, what would your wife say about that? If you saw a photo, would she expect such behavior? No, she wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, what I'd probably do is ch- convert it into a tattoo. Like I'd get him sign it, I wouldn't wash it off, and then I'd go to a tattoo artist and I'd go over the top. I think that'd be well, cool. Well, a tangent, my uh, sister knows a guy in uh, Richmond that does tattoos. So if you need to hook up tomorrow, awesome. send me a message and uh, Kate, my sister, will look after you and we can get some right. fresh ink for the plane home. <laughs> good, good. Well, yeah, it's nothing like being on a, f- a flight um, for a few hours, let alone a flight with some fresh itchy ink. Um, no, I, I definitely won't be doing that. But um, look, we'll be back in... I'll be back in Perth for next week. Um, Greg's going to be around. We're going to talk about some more basketball, of course, because this is the Backchat Basketball Show. You can find us Backchat underscore basketball on Instagram or send us an email, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Any final thoughts uh, before I leave you here? No, just stay safe out there. Uh, don't yep. uh, burn down Richmond before I arrive. And yeah, enjoy <laughs> Dirk. And we need to see you back in Perth on Monday. All right, will do. I'll speak to you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. That episode from Backchat Studios lives on the ACAST Creator Network. If you want to sign up as a patron or access all of our merch, head to backchatpodcast.com.au.